Welcome back to Hawaii Real. I have with me the owner and operator of Kalapawai Market, Kalapawai Cafe, and Kalapawai Cafe Kapolei, and Zia's Cafe. Zia's Cafe. Yes. This is Lindsay Diamond, everybody. Thanks for coming on, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. And uh, another thing about Lindsay is he is, or he used to be, an Iron Man. Are you so, still doing Iron Man even after your injury? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Still? Yeah. All right, awesome. Good to hear, man. Yeah, got a couple races up this year. Oh, how did that go? Uh, they're getting ready to start training for them. Iron Man, Santa Rosa, and then a couple of half Ironmans. One in Oceanside, just outside of San Diego, and then another one in Tallinn, Estonia. What's Estonia? What's the worst Ironman you've done, or the worst training experience you've had for your Ironman? I would say the most miserable Ironman I've ever done was Ironman Wales. Really? Oh, yeah. In, in yeah. the United Kingdom? Oh, yeah. yeah. Why? Why? Because it rained horribly the entire day, uh-huh. and it was freezing cold. So freezing cold is better or is worse than the hot, like um, like the Kona one? Uh, which, which is better? Kona? I would rather do Kona than Wales. In a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, Wales is cool. It was an awesome cultural experience. The next day, of course, was gorgeous, and (laughs) it was, like, beautiful. The the area was gorgeous. The people were super nice. It is, you know, they were super thankful to have the race there because these can be kind of controversial. You get a bunch of um, spandex-wearing foreigners rolling into town that are all dietary restriction gluten-free don't want this that or the other thing um and they come in and you know they, it's kind of a count a kind of a clown show uh, i mean how do they perform with that kind of diet oh i don't care i eat anything under the sun yeah, yeah. so what's the controversy then you know some city is some towns some of these are cute little quiet towns yeah, and yeah. you get you know if there's two thousand athletes and each person brings mm-hmm. four people with them Oh, so yeah. just the population just balloons? Oh, just the population just just balloons for that one weekend, that yeah. one time period. The economic impact for the town is substantial. Yeah. You know, but there's time, grief, aggravation, traffic, blah, blah, blah. I mean, yeah. um, so some communities welcome it. Some communities are kind of, eh, well, you know, okay, great. Yeah, if it went away, we wouldn't really care. But um, Wales, they absolutely love it. They, they, you know, they thank all of the people, the athletes for coming down. And sure. they thank all the family for everyone, everything coming there. And, um, it was a fabulous experience, except for the cold and the rain and the race. <laughs> so uh, the Kona one, um, how many times have you done that? I've done Kona once, 2014. And good, bad? Uh, you know, it wasn't my best year. I had some personal issues going on the month before. Uh, my dad passed away 10 days before the race. Oh, um, and You know, that was uh, the Kona Ironman honestly saved my life. Um, because my, uh, in a past life, I was married to a, another woman and that ended right before my father died. And I kind of had this, this carrot to work towards something that I had been training really hard for, for years. And I finally got it. And then I have this opportunity to, you know, perform. And I had every excuse to not do it because of personal reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I went out there and I said, you know, I'm going to get whatever I get. It's not going to be my best day. I'm going to thank the volunteers. I'm going to, you know, find some friends out there. And um, I ended up uh, having a horrible day and sense of time. But, you know, I hooked up with a, a friend of mine who is a Kailua guy, no longer lives there. Um, and we ended up 
finishing up the marathon together and his father passed away from the same kind of cancer that my father did. So we had a, a really, a really nice conversation and a, and a nice, you know, 10 mile finish together, uh, from the energy lab in, and it was a really special and memorable experience. And although my time wasn't the best, it's definitely probably the, the race that stands out in my, in my mind the most. That's amazing. Um, and the most yeah. special experience. And, um, just with the timing and everything going on in my life, it was perfect. It, it, it was the right time for something like that to happen. Now, did you connect with this friend, um, out of the blue or was this, were you like planning on meeting him there? Kind oh, of no, 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 no. He was just having a rough time out on the course. And, uh, I ended up, uh, seeing him. It was actually the same year that our mutual friend, John Chun did it. Okay. That's the yeah. only race he ever beat me on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sure there were a few others, but that yeah. was the, the big one. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. What got you over that hump in order to do the Ironman instead of pulling out and not doing it that year? Um, I, it wasn't even an option. It just, I didn't even consider not going. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I had, I don't know. I just hadn't, it, it wasn't, it didn't even cross my mind to not do it. Just, it wouldn't even, wouldn't, I, yeah. Yeah. How many I wasn't even going to quit. How many years prior to that had you been doing Ironmans? Uh, five. Yeah. So it was kind of a normal thing for you to be involved in this Ironman and do it? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, the training wasn't exactly on point because of uh, certain family things that yeah, were going no, on. Definitely. But, uh, but it was still a fun experience, and I, I loved it, and I cherish every memory. And one day I'll go back. My um, my wife, Jessica, she's done it since then and some other close friends. So I've been, been around it and kind of been with some people as they go through their, their experience and their journey with it. And right. it's just fabulous to see. Yeah. Was it like dark times prior to that? And you said it just saved your life. Was it like, what was the saving grace for doing that marathon or that Ironman? You, you know, it was, I had every reason to not do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, it was super easy to just go to the pub. Yeah. Like, oh, you know what? Screw it. I'm not going to go for my 15 mile run or my hundred mile bike ride by myself, you know, I'll just go have a couple of beers and cry in my beer. Um, and you know, it kind of, there, there, there was a fair amount of that going on also. Uh, but it, you know, it's like, no, I can't do that. I, and I've got these businesses that, you know, we're losing our, our leader. Mm -hmm. Um, and everyone's going to turn to me and I got to figure out how to do the, the economic transition because there are some economics behind, um, people passing away. Right. Um, and I got to figure out how to do all of this because my mom is a basket case. She just lost the love of her life. And, mm. um, so failure was not an option. It just, it, it just couldn't happen. Mm. And, and competing and showing up to the start line was, was one of them, you know? Showing up to the start line is the hardest part of the race. Right. Because once you're there... It's once like, you're there, it's just a celebration of everything. Right. Everything yeah. else is... All you do is go through the motions. Right. Yeah. It's just... It's it's really inspiring to hear something, you know, stories like that. You know, out of tragedy, it's almost like the phoenix coming out and, you know, building something of it. No, it was, it was, it was fun. It was a wonderful experience. And, yeah. But, you know, don't do whales. It's hard. <laughs> and it's far away. It's far away. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the cold weather. I don't the like cold the weather's great until you're wearing a freaking spandex onesie and trying to ride a bicycle through sideways rain. <laughs> you know, the um, the previous London Marathon, 
they were complaining about how sweltering heat has been like dropping all these runners and stuff. And then they put like the, the temperature that was, was like 21 degrees Celsius or something, which is for Fahrenheit is like 76. It was like in the seventies on the upper seventies. And it's like sweltering heat. That's not yeah, sweltering heat, guys. Yeah, it's like, come on guys. Yeah, it's like, well, you don't know. You're not used to this. You know, we're not used to the hot weather. I'm like, that's still not sweltering. You, you can't yeah. use the word sweltering heat if it's like 70s. No, it's no, just, no, 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 no. doesn't compute. No, because people are doing marathons in like 100 degree weather. Oh, know, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do Honolulu yeah, every December. Exactly. That that race is also pretty miserable. I mean, and I've seen kids doing the Honolulu marathon and stuff. Like, they're not dropping. I mean, yeah, they're dropping like flies, but nobody blames like the hot, no. the, the hot weather or anything like that. No, piss poor preparation perpetuates piss poor performance. Right on. And if it's like 76 degrees at the Honolulu Marathon, it's a good time. Oh, that's a great time. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're loving it. Sorry, London. You yeah. know, you, you're not going to get any breaks. Yeah. No Sack breaks from us, man. Suck it up. Yeah. <laughs> As the hockey players would say, figure it out. Figure it out. <laughs> so, Kalapa Way, you took that over from your father. You said you were saying? Yeah. So when my dad passed away, um, uh, yeah, that I ended up having to, there was a transition, an economic transition period between my mother and myself. Um, the, the sale of the business was going to be her retirement. Um, so we worked out a deal where I purchased all of the locations from her. Um, and it's been, a, it's, it's worked out great. Uh, there were some, you know, some, some fancy, fancy, numbers and some accountants and attorneys involved sure. and, uh, but we were able to work out a deal that was mutually beneficial and it, it means the world to me that I'm able to help my mom mm -hmm. um, you know have a wonderful retirement um, and at the same time you know back then we had three locations we had the two Kalapawais in Kailua and then the Zias in Kaneohe um, we had just recently sold the Zias in Kailua and um you know, that's, it's close to a hundred employees at the time. And, you know, they're all going, well, what's next? Yeah. And uh, from their perspective, they didn't know anything was, you know, just, um, you know, was, they're just going to work. They're just going to work. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was wonderful. They, they had, a, we were able to keep things the same, um, and, you know, move, move on, move forward. And we've had fabulous growth, uh, since then, um, with the, uh, addition of the Kalapawa and Kapolei. Yeah. Um, the land acquisition and the development of that and leasing it out and building that whole development. That was a fun experience. And we've got 30 to 40 employees out there that were added on. Uh, so it's it's just great. I love it. And for everyone listening, uh, Kapolei Kalapawa is my personal favorite restaurant out in Kapolei. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was it Cheesecake Factory is a close second? Not not really even a close second because that's kind of like a chain. But, you know. It's the, also four miles down the road. So right. that's, yeah. it's not even close. Well, I mean, Chuck E. Cheese is right next door too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we get all that. We get a lot of people. The parents do tag team. Come oh, yeah. over to the bar. Mom, so, mom's got the kids. <laughs> that's awesome. Dad comes over to the bar, has a quick one, and they tag out. Yeah. That's a great idea. Oh, I love it. Okay. The synergy is fantastic between the, all, the, all the locations out that's there. That's so awesome. Between all the stores on the Yeah. Is there beer at the... Uh, Chuck E. Cheese? I don't oh, think so. Yeah. Not to my knowledge, unless they slip it in. All right. So mom or dad take the kids to Chuck E. Cheese, and the other one go hit the bar right oh, across, yeah. right next door oh, at Kalapawai, yeah. Kapolei. That's fabulous. I never thought of that. Yeah, it's great. And, you know, the synergy between, like I said, all the all the businesses out there. Mm -hmm. um, we've got 
four tenants on the stall on the space. Yeah. Um, all of them are small, locally owned. Uh, Lani Kai Juice, right? Uh, Poly Women's Health Center, Color Box Hair Salon, and Island Shave Ice and Creamery. And then right next door to us, we have Chuck E. Cheese. And all of them are family oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all for uh, moms, dads, kids, where you can bring everybody all the time. So it's it's wonderful. Um, and they're all run by local families and local groups. So it's it's just it's heartwarming to see um, that happening with you know how many like you mentioned big box stores mm-hmm. came out to Coppola because of you know, whatever demographic reports and numbers and. Um, but you know, this is a, a little center and a little nucleus for local business. So it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's a nice little stop. Whenever we're out there, we go and, uh, hit up Kalapa Y cafe for dinner or lunch. And then we're walking right over to the ice cream shop and, uh, getting the, the creamery. Perfect. Yeah. And yeah, Gary, the guy that owns the ice cream shop just did Ironman Arizona in oh. November. It was his first Ironman. He was stoked. He was over there asking, picking my brain all the time. <laughs> now, do you own that whole lot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, nice, nice. Oh, yeah. Good for you, man. So it was, it was a fun fun project to go through the land acquisition, the development, the permitting, the planning, and uh, um, kind of navigating that web of DPP and <laughs> Coppolet Design Advisory Board. And So I just had Kaipo Cabral on uh, talking. He was complaining about the DPP. Yeah, Do you have any horror stories about DPP? Uh, I have. <laughs> Too many to count. They've always been very nice to me. Why? No, just like cordial. Oh, yeah. Yes. No, but they you still take it. They still take a year and a half. Yeah. And you know, if you say the wrong thing, you got to be the polite squeaky wheel kind of thing. Oh. Um, otherwise, your 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 plan goes to the bottom of the pile, as the saying goes. You know, so you, it shouldn't be like that. No, it shouldn't. But it is. So yeah. you you play their game. Yeah. Yeah. You got to play their. You're not going to change their game. No. You got to play it. Yeah, he Kaipo was saying that he was uh, talking even to Mayor uh, Kirk Hodwell, saying, "Hey, you know what's going on with this and that at the DPP, trying to do this, and what are the problems?" And and basically the answer that he got from him was, "Yeah, well, we're trying to do stuff, but you know it's hard." It's like, you know, "Well, yeah, come on." Well, here's the thing that boggles my mind with Department of Planning and Permitting is it is one of the few government entities that can raise money without taxation. And has a line of people standing out the door with their checkbooks out ready to pay. Yeah. Uh, I think there would be a little bit more kind of impetus to get that process going and to streamline it and hire the people. I mean, it costs tens of thousands of dollars for me to get my permits. I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head. Uh, Just for that one development. And that was a 10,000 square foot building on a 30,000 square foot lot. You know, these guys are building high rises. These guys are doing, you know, um, mixed use, 10 story, blah, blah, blah. You go on and on and on. And they're going through these same horror stories and they're going to pay $100,000 and they can't wait to write the check. You got to put someone there to collect that money, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're not, you're not raising taxes. You're not doing it. Yeah. It's, these are just it, permits. Yeah. These guys are voluntarily going there to go get these building permits to get their businesses going. And, you know, in Coppola, that's what's been really stunted a lot of the growth. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of other reasons, but one of the ones that I've seen personally is you get a lot of outside investors that aren't used to the kind of the, the shaka kind of way that things work around here. 
And they come in and they're from wherever, California or Colorado or wherever they come from. And they're used to being able to just go down to DPP submitting their plans, boom, 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 get their permits. Now, all of a sudden, you got to sit there with an empty lot and you you probably got a mortgage on it. You're certainly paying property tax on it. You're insuring the lot so that no drunk person stumbles across it and trips and breaks their leg in the middle of the night, you know, and after three years go by, they're like, you know what? Screw this. We're just out. And they sell it. It's terrible. You know, so it's really stunted the growth out there. Do you guys have like a motto or a goal setting or a ethos or anything like that? You know, um, the original motto that my dad came up with when we first uh, took over the market in the early 90s was your neighborhood store. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's shitty. That's generic. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but it was it was pretty funny because as I kind of got more involved in the business, you really, really, really realize that you live and die by the people that live by you and mm-hmm. that are in your community and in your neighborhood. Um, and they notice real fast when you do things that are not in the neighborhood's best interest. Um, and I mean, define the neighborhood's best interest, right? There's all right. kinds of opinions and gray areas on that, but, um, you know, you'd be Switzerland, you go through everything and you do what, you know, things that everyone's going to like, everybody likes, you know, donations to schools. We donate all the wine to the Ka'ohau elementary school fundraiser. We've done it for Le Jardin for many years. Um, and, uh, gift certificates out the wazoo, uh, just, you know, freebies that help these, um, small organizations or not for profits, whatever, uh, whatever the, or the group may be. Um, you know, if it gives them a little bit something that they can put a little bit of extra, extra income or a little value added to their, their donors, um, that's great. Um, and you know, you, you, as the years went by and we started and we opened up a couple of other ones and operating in Kaneohe, uh, you learn real, real quick that you need to target the people that live by you. You do not target the visitor. I mean, visitors are great. Of course you advertise for them and they're wonderful and nine, you know, 999 out of a thousand of them are fabulous and they're there to have a good time and they're in Hawaii to be nice. Um, and, uh, but they're not the ones who have to live next to you. They're not the ones that got to live next to you. And when you've got a Coca-Cola truck pulling their 18 wheeler Mm. right up next to your building at six 30 in the morning with their backup beeper on, and it's not supposed to be. And I mean, I've got crazy stories at the market. Um, our neighbor, she's most of the time, super nice, sweetheart. But one morning she actually jumped in the Coca-Cola truck and tried to drive it off. And, uh, you know, this, you know, the driver goes back to his truck to go put his hand truck away. And there's this crazy Polish lady sitting in there trying to drive his truck off. And you're like, you know, she lives next door. I told you to turn your backup beeper off, but you didn't listen. This is what happens. Um, Bet that never happened again. Oh, there's been other things with her. Or the beeper. The beeper. The the beeper. beeper? Yeah. He, He started turning off his beeper. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but you know, you, you get a lot of these things and we get a lot of phone calls that are like, can you please trim your tree? Mm. You know, it seems like it's kind of a a little bit of a pain in the ass, but you know, in in reality, that person drives by your building every single day. Yeah. They live there and that tree 
you know, it might be covering a, a stoplight or it might be, you know, the hedge might be a little too high and their kids are walking on that corner and cars coming around can't see over the hedge. Sure. You know, so there's there's little things like that. And your neighbors notice that stuff. You are literally a part of the neighborhood. It's like when you've got that neighbor that doesn't trim the grass. Yeah. You know, and you don't want to be that guy. Um, and that's the way that we've built our business. And if you look at our locations, we're uh, right at the entrance to Lanikai. And yeah, I understand traffic is, you know, it's not what it was 30 years ago. Um, but, you know, we're the only one of the only commercial developments in a overwhelmingly predominant uh neighborhood uh residential neighborhood when these people live there all the time they're there all the time and um ditto with the other side of kailua and kailua town we're right next to kainehe street going on to kihapai street and those are all residents those are neighbors and we and we service the businesses that are in our neighborhood those are the people that come in for coffee every morning on the way to on the way to town on the poly. Uh, those are the people that come in for their glass of wine or their dinner. They meet their wife and you know when they're coming back from town and that's their rendezvous point for dinner. And that's who we want to be. That's where we want to go. There's not um, an abundance of transient accommodations in Kailua uh, for various reasons, good and bad. And um, so there's not really many visitors at night. So if you want to have a successful dinner restaurant, you have to give the locals what they want. Yeah, yeah. You got to give the neighborhood what they want. You know, you're not going to get these people coming in, dropping 600 bucks on flashy wine and fancy steaks, and you're never going to see them again. Mm -hmm. You can't live by that. It's not Waikiki. You got to be able to be a place that people can come multiple times a month uh, for various reasons. Fancy date night, casual family night, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so we were lucky we've been able to pull that off and Kaneohe especially you got to be careful with that um, it's a it's a wonderful family oriented neighborhood and you've got to be there for the families so Kalapawai and I think in the Kailua Kaneohe area uh, generally um, you can have like a bar or you know a cafe or a restaurant that serves alcohol amongst residential amongst the residential area but you don't see that a whole lot on this side of the island, on the Halu side. And one of the things that I've seen uh, been brought up um, with like legislature and stuff like that is like they want to start changing the dynamic of commercial permitting and stuff like that to allow for more alcohol serving locations closer to residential areas in order to cut down on like DUIs and stuff like that. Because as it stands now, like in Honolulu, if you want to go out and have a drink, you got to drive somewhere. Oh, yeah. If you live in Manoa, you got to go right. into town. You have to drive. You can't yeah. just walk to a pub or something like that. Mm -hmm. Kaneohe, Kailua, I'm not sure about Kaneohe, but Kailua, definitely, you can walk to a pub. Yeah. Right? And walk home. You have a few drinks, walk home. Like, you're not driving drunk. Like, is that a thing that, um, have you seen anything like that? Um, you know, I'm for it. Uh, for the... Uh, integrating a little bit more business into the communities but there's it's got to be done very carefully i mean if you're a, a, a quiet little neighborhood you don't want a 2 a.m bar you sure. know opening up or a 4 a.m cabaret license opening up nearby um but you know if there's if there's ways and the the owner operators commit to say hey we want to have alcoholic beverages but we want to do it just to complement and round out our offering we're not going to do a bar um, we're going to be closing at nine or 10 o'clock 
Um, so yeah, if you're on your way home and you know, you park, you, you want to walk over, you're not quite ready to go into the house yet mm -hmm. and you walk around the block and you, you have a couple of beers, you, that's great. Um, but you don't want drunk stumbling around your neighborhood at two in the morning if it's a quiet neighborhood and that happened right. in Kailua with pinkies. Mm. Um, and that's why the liquor license at the, um, what's now Nico's is it closes early for that reason. Yeah. And you know, I, th there's no fault in that logic. Yeah. But I would rather have drunks hobbling around, stumbling around, than drunks driving around. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's so not like it snows at night here. You don't no. have to worry about them freezing under a bush. Right. They could pass out on the side of the road and be fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My wife is from Alaska, and she says that to get a, a liquor license in Alaska, you have to have uh, a place for people to sleep. Oh, wow. That's like uh, a great idea. I was like, why, why would you do that? And she goes, walk outside when it's 30 below and tell me. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I Can you imagine it. like a club or a bar with like cots, like oh, a yeah. room with like just right. cots just, and like blow up beds or something? That'd be horrible. I don't know. That might yeah, be good. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting. <laughs> it'd, it'd be colorful, that's for sure. <laughs> What's your favorite food that you serve? Um, yeah, I put a list together of that. It's called the menu. No. <laughs> um, no, you know, uh, I am a huge fan of the uh, local fish that we serve, mm -hmm. and I love it because we cook it the way that we think it should be, so you can taste it. It's not burnt all the way through. It's not cooked all the way through. We like to cook our fish um, appropriately, medium, medium rare, or seared if it's correct, you know, if that's the appropriate way. Um, we want we want you to taste it. We want you to appreciate it. Um and I love the the local produce that we're able to get in. Uh, sometimes a year, the it's a little more plentiful than other times a year. Um, but we have just wonderful salads and wonderful vegetables. Um, you know, after a long hard bike ride, a French dip or a hot pastrami and a beer, yeah. you can't beat that. <laughs> um, so you know, kind of hit all the buttons. Um, and some of the menu items, you know, it's not about what I like to serve. It's about what people want to eat. Sure. Of course, um, of course. You know, I'm not a huge mac and cheese eater, but we sell tons of There's it. There's tons of kids. It's a kid's thing, right? It's a kid's thing. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a kid's thing. And um, I mean, my dad had a mac and cheese and corn on the cob every day that he went in for dinner. My mom's ordering all these fancy fish specials. And my dad says, I'll have a side of mac and cheese. Like, all right. Yeah, fine. You do you, man. You do you. Um, now I'm, oh my God, years but, later I'm married and my wife goes in there and she's like, I want an onion soup and a mac and cheese. I'm like, what the, what's going on here? Going out to a restaurant, you're ordering mac and cheese. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Right, you, know, you know what? Maybe that's the mac and cheese challenge. Everybody it could. Yeah. mac and cheese challenge. Yeah. Go to a nice restaurant, order mac and cheese. But you know, uh, I, I eat a pretty simple diet and I eat at Zia's Kaneohe most out of all the restaurants and I get spaghetti with red sauce. That's it. No like, meat or anything in there. Uh, sometimes I go exotic and get a meatball thrown on there, <laughs> you know. But uh, you know, but for the most part, I'm pretty pretty simple eater. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have a fabulous chef and a fabulous kind of management kind of core that um, helps me bounce around to all the different locations, and um, they're so trust. I, I trust them with the world. Um, and uh, Jason, our chef, is just this culinary. He's so so wonderful and sees sees things coming down the pipeline that are gonna you know um have potential to take off um and he and i have worked together for 15 years uh he started moonlighting with us over at zia's and Kaneohe and just had some great potential and um took him on and when we opened kalapawai cafe in kailua and he and i have just 
had a fabulous relationship. And actually, we're going to Japan together in two weeks so that he can go kind of see some new things. Um, we try to travel uh, about every 18 months or so, go to someplace cool. We've been over the years, New Zealand, Montreal, Chicago, New York. Um, it's just seeing new trends and new things coming up, coming down the pipeline that Hawaii hasn't seen yet. And um, we've got a fabulous operations manager. Her name's Kat. And she just, she runs the day-to-day -day stuff for me. And then she's got her group underneath that kind of report to her and are just fabulous. And, you know, you got you to gotta let them go and do their thing. You mm -hmm. can kind of tell them what the goal is and you're around if they have any questions. So you're not a micromanager or anything? Uh, if I'm micromanaging, something's gone pretty wrong. Right. But, there's, there's definitely good a uh, good attitude to have when you're at the top. Yeah, you gotta you gotta let them do their thing. Yeah, you gotta let them do their thing. Otherwise, they're never gonna learn. They're never gonna grow. Uh, they're never gonna get that kind of confidence that and, they need to make. Yeah, those but then decisions. you're you're gonna be too busy if you're doing that too, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't be doing that. Man. Yeah, gotta have time for running Ironmans and stuff. Well, you know, <laughs> what's the Arnold Schwarzenegger said? You sleep eight hours a night. You work eight hours a day. What do you do with the other eight hours of your day? Work out. Well, no, you, well, I mean, eat. you eat and you sleep. And, well, you don't <laughs> sleep, but well, if you nap, I guess that counts in there. But I, I saw uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, a great quote from Arnold Schwarzenegger when he was talking about his um, uh, sleeping and everything like that and try to get eight hours or six hours or anything like that. And one lady stood up, he's like, well, I can't sleep that much. And he's like, sleep faster. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Yeah, yeah. Sleep like, faster. That's an Arnoldism. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sleep faster. So what's your favorite part about uh, doing Ironmans? Like the swimming, the biking, the the jogging? Is it even jogging? It's not really jogging because you're going too fast. Eating whatever you want the day after the race. Oh, see, I just do that normally. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't need an Ironman. And then you feel that. like all smug, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just did the Ironman yesterday, so I'm going to eat cheeseburger for breakfast, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, uh, I'll fast um, for like 24 hours, sometimes a 36-hour fast. And then I'll eat whatever I want. Oh, so yeah. that's kind of like an Iron Man. Okay, right? yeah. No, yeah, no. yeah same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Calorie deficiency. There you go. Oh, I do that after hockey. Though. After we play hockey, I can eat like a good Wendy's burger and fries. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, any any plans for um, future expanding for Kalapawai? Or, um, or different named kind of things, or franchising, or moving to the mainland, or anything like that? You know, I get offers kind of often to go to neighbor islands. Oh. And. Some of them have been pretty tempting, but I just have this lingering voice in the back of my head about when I get the phone call that the grease trap is overflowing at 930 on a Friday night and I'm on Oahu and I can't get to Kona in time. And you yeah, know, you have I'm, someone else do that. Well, yeah, Hopefully. but finding and nurturing the relationship with this person and getting them to mm. literally walk around in grease trap water while they wait for the, you know, coming a plumber that hopefully you can find. Uh, you know, these are, these are things that I've had to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll see about the neighbor islands. Who knows what I am doing though, is, um, I'm going to, I started a new company, a uh, little kind of micro utility company, and I'm going to put a solar canopy over the parking lot in Coppola. Um, oh, so okay. the guests will have covered parking. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to consolidate all the meters because there's a lot of redundant HECO uh, hookup charges and various other miscellaneous charges that each of the the six meters have, the four tenants, the restaurant, and then the common area meters. 
Um, so we'll eliminate a lot of that redundancy and then I'll be able to sell the energy to the tenants um, for a discounted rate. So it helps the tenants on their cash flow. Uh, they're buying um, solar energy. So we're not taking as much from Hawaiian Electric. We're going to use everything we produce. Um, so we're not getting into this sellback kind of uh, situation. And because um, the restaurant's a beast. So anything that the tenants don't take, the restaurant will take the rest of it. Mm. Um, and, you know, it kind of provides a little bit of extra value for the, the property and for uh, the um, the development. So it's kind of a win, 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 win for everybody. The tenants yeah. get... Um, Shaded parking. Shaded parking. Guests get shaded parking. Um, tenants get a little bit of ease up on their electric bill, on the cash flow, and um, I think it. I think it's going to be fabulous. It's going to be a pain in the ass while we're building it, though, <laughs> um, just because of digging around in the parking lot. But uh, once it's in there and it's installed, we're going to wonder how we ever lived without it. Nice, especially nice. in Kapolei, where there's so much potential for that. And yeah, it's, it's so, so sunny, and it's so underutilized out there. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm stoked to be one of the first people that's going to be able to put it up there and you know, it's, it, it's great. Um, it, yeah, it's fabulous. It's a win-win. Win-win. All right. So you've discussed how like you have new businesses and everything coming up with the solar thing coming up over your parking lot, the Kapolei, uh, location. Uh, do you have any words of wisdom, words of advice for people, um, that are, either entrepreneurs now or starting to be an entrepreneur or wanting to be an entrepreneur? Um, yeah, you know, you're going to come up with ideas. You're going to have ideas. Um, and as you go through whatever it is that you're doing, you're going to meet people. Um, and some people you're going to have some synergy with and you're going to click with. Um, and you'll find mentors that have been through your industry or been through something similar. And, um, listen to them. Um, you don't necessarily need to solicit advice and not all listening is through the ears. Um, observation, watch them, see what they do, see how they interact with other people. See, you know, their tone, their, uh, mannerisms, uh, certain characteristics when they send emails, even, you know, there's just, there's all kinds of little kind of gives and little hints that you can that you can pick up over the years so what are the kind of things that you learned from a mentor or do you have like multiple mentors rain doesn't make itself you got to make you got to make it rain <laughs> shit doesn't happen on its own no you, no. you got to make it rain yeah, yeah yeah you know you you can come up with a great idea you can have a, an idea um and you might not know how to put it on paper mm -hmm. ask ask don't be afraid to ask for help um, put that ego down. You know, you've got this great idea. That's awesome. Good for you. But it's nothing unless you do it. My wife and I just started a cookie company. Oh, wow. What's it yeah. called? Kalapawai Cookie Company. Oh, Kalapawai Cookie. <laughs> so you know, we had this, we had this great product and, um, my wife is a, a baker and we were selling tons of these cookies, tons of these cookies out of all of our stores. And she goes, you know, I'd like to distribute them to other stores. And I went, well, you know, that's a, that's a great idea. We've got a, a marketable product, um, requires a little bit of tweaking here and there to be shelf stable and to, you know, last and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I said, okay, go for it. Nothing happened for like a year. Oh yeah. It doesn't happen on its own. No. no and no. that was a, a little lesson. I knew what, I knew what the outcome of that one was going to be. Um, 
And I said, okay, well, let's put a little roadmap together and let's mm. figure out how we want to do it. And we did our research and we figured out a, a good natural um, additive that is, you know, not a creepy, weird chemical that will allow the cookies to be shelf stable in a package so that we can sell them online and we can distribute them to other stores. We went and met with some commercial bakers and we uh, put a confidentiality agreement together so that, you know, they, it's our proprietary recipe. Um, and we put together some invoicing and did some serious costing and some sourcing of ingredients. And, you know, she was a school teacher. She was an educator from Alaska. And now all of a sudden I'm like, okay, you want to do a cookie company? Great. Yeah, go do it. So, so she so, went from a school teacher to like running a business. Uh, kind yeah, of, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, every time I would say like, okay, yeah, great. Go, go do it. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, you need to go find more flour. Oh yeah. Go. Okay. Go. And she realized real quick that, it didn't appear on its own. Yeah. You got to uh, do the work. You got to do the work. And, um, that was one of the things that I learned over the years from a lot of my mentors is you have to do it. You can say it all you want. Mm -hmm. You have to do it. And I got a couple of other little projects that I've done over the years. Uh, I have a gift card company. Um, and it's just an internal thing across the different stores, but we ran into a problem and I came up with a, solution that fixed our gift card problem across the companies and i went over to the bank and i said hey i've got this idea and we're going to need to do these merchant services transactions and they go well shit i mean it makes sense but we've never done that before so let's talk to our attorneys to see if that's legal and they go yeah okay but you got to give us a couple weeks because we don't have a merchant services contract for something like that. And this is first Hawaiian bank kudos for them to working, you know, for working with me and listening to me on that. Um, but it solved a major problem across my four locations and, uh, you know, they, they, they were flexible and, you know, I've got mentors on in the banking industry and mentors in the you know legal side and the accounting side. And, you know, you got to reach out to them and, you know, not all of them are your quote unquote, your CPA, you know, you've got other people that have experience in that and you say, Hey, you know, I got this idea and they'll say, Oh yeah, yeah. Or you're smoking weed, man. Don't do that shit. <laughs> um, but then you got to go do it mm -hmm. and you got to go sit in front of the people that are going to help you make it happen. And you got to be your own rainmaker. Um, and my wife's learning that right now. And we've been doing it since the first of the year, uh, with her cookie business. And she's like, holy shit, why didn't I start this last year? I'm like, well, we started the company. You just didn't do it. <laughs> you didn't do anything. You just didn't do anything with it. And, you know, it was a real eye-opening experience for her. And I learned the same thing when I moved home. Um, you know, hey, we need this new piece of equipment. Or, hey, we need to, to change this, that, or the other thing. And my dad's like, okay, yeah, go, yeah, it sounds good. And then three weeks later, I'd be like, how come this isn't done? Well, you told me you thought it needed to be done. So you're going to do it. Yeah. And I was like, well, I told you. He goes, yeah. And <laughs> did you do did it? You, son? Did you do it? And I was like, oh, okay. Light bulb goes off in the top of the head. Like, like oh, oh, wait, that's my job to do. Oh, wait. Yeah. Crap. <laughs> yeah. If I want something done, I have to go do it. Do it. And there was an interesting line that I read in um, a contractor and operating. I don't remember. Some was it Nike? No, it was a legalese <laughs> document that I was actually okay. signing. Um, where it said that the manager, oh, it was, yeah, it was the land company in, um, Kapolei. 
it was the manager of the company will do or cause to be done everything that is required to make sure that it's successfully financial, blah, blah, blah. That's huge. And it was the, or cause to be done part, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which was kind of this like, oh, okay. It has to happen. And it's not going to happen unless I go do it. Yeah. Um, so if you want to, you know, put little ball bearings on the inside of goalie pads. That's me. You got to, you got to go do it. Yeah, do it. You got to do it. You got to go find the design team. You got to source figure the ingredients. Out. You got to figure it out. Well, here, um, you're looking at the design team. <laughs> see? Yeah. Who cares what the design team is? Good, good for you, man. That stuff's great. I love it. Um, but yeah, you got to do it. But you have to actually go do it. Right. So if you have an idea, do it and reach out to people. They want to help you. Yeah. You know, there's all these things of, oh, if you don't go get that dollar, someone else is going to take it. Yeah, that's true to some extent. But there are way more people out there in, in, the, in all industries that want you to be successful. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I believe that um, all ships rise with that tide. Um, I think that everybody becomes more successful. Um, you know, the, the mentor learns by teaching. Um, and you learn and then other people see what you're doing and then you can teach them and they watch you and you're going to make mistakes, man. I've made some royal fuck ups and I will continue to do so, but you also learn how to handle those. Yeah. You know, it's like screwing up is part of the journey. It's part of the journey. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to mess up. Um, but you could also just not do anything. Then you'll never mess up. Yeah. And, what did um, Wayne Gretzky say? You miss every shot you don't take. You miss every shot you don't take. I also like the one where even Wayne Gretzky had to learn how to ice skate. Of course, everybody has to learn how to Everybody yeah. has to learn how yeah, to learn it. somewhere. You gotta, yes. Everybody's got to learn everything. Yeah. Um, Walk before you run, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, for anybody that wants to put an idea into practice, mm -hmm. you have to do it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's just an idea. It's just going to sit there in your head. And now for advice wise, do you think you should, or people should be just doing it first or like taking it to a mentor or taking it out to a friend or, you know, somebody else uh, verbally and talking it to talking about the idea first or. Oh yeah. Bounce, your, bounce your ideas. Yeah. yeah. Um, because every time you say it out loud, it's going to morph. It is. It'll, it'll change. And the more people you tell, mm -hmm. the more real it gets. You'll get some, some more feedback and exactly the more people you tell. And hopefully those people you have a good enough relationship with where the next time you see them, they'll say, oh, how's your cookie company going? Right, right, right. You know, um, and they'll hold you a little bit accountable. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't want to be the guy that goes, oh, you know, I had it. And, uh, no, I you go, you know what? Didn't it's, really do anything. You know it. what? We're moving with it. And even if it's not going well, mm -hmm. you say, you know what? We're learning all kinds of great things. We're, we've gone through this, that, and the other thing. We're making progress here we've got some work to do here and you, you own it it's your company yeah you know you gotta you gotta take the bull by the horns on it and and run with it otherwise uh, that shit's not never gonna fly man what about advice yeah. for people that think or uh, they they're just gonna fail or they're too um scared to take that risk whether financially or you know with time and effort and putting it in the work and everything yeah you know um it's it's tough taking some of those risks, you know, you sign a big lease and if you're not sleepless the night before, the night before you sign a huge contract, you're not taking it seriously enough, mm -hmm. you know, um, and 
I think that it's really important that before you start taking crazy, crazy, crazy risks, you're, you know, especially if you have a family, you know, you, you've got a job that provides you some income. Don't let that, that secondary thing sacrifice what's putting bread on your table. Make sure that you're comfortable with it. Make sure that you have a, a contingency plan because um, you don't want to quit your job to go start something that's, you know, that has too many variables. Do that at night. You know, if you're not willing to work two jobs, you're not willing to w open your own business. No, yeah, you're yeah. not. You're not willing to put in enough time mm -hmm. um, because you literally live your business. There's no days off. And um, um, I work every day, but I don't necessarily work all day, but I do work every day. And uh, you have to be responsive. And if you're not willing to to take that second job, you, you want to work, you want to own a little cookie company but you don't know if it's going to work um, and you've got a good solid day job, you know, you better be baking cookies at night and mm -hmm. going to work during the daytime. Yeah. It's like go home and then go home from your job and then start working or, you know, go home from your job, get dinner ready, yeah. get the kids in the bed and then start working and then start working. And if you're not willing to put those hours in, you, you're going to be really hard pressed to be successful as a small business owner. Mm -hmm. Um, because it really is all consuming. It's not a nine to five. You don't get weekends off. No. You know, it's not that set it and forget it kind of mentality. This is your life. You know, you're, you're making a business, you're making it for your life and this is your baby and you're going to be taking care of it and you got to build it to whatever it's going to be. Yeah, and exactly. And the buck stops with you. Yeah. And you have to understand that there's nowhere else to pass the buck. You can ask for advice, but at the end of the day, the decision falls right with you. And uh, you have to be comfortable with that. So, you know, don't put yourself in a position where you're not. Um, that's real important. Yeah. And even for a small baking company, you know, you're just baking cookies and stuff like that. Like everything stops with you. You're, like, you're the one who started it. You're the one who's baking the cookies. You're the one who's going to be putting out the recipes and stuff like that. And find, you know, finding distribution, source. finding your packaging, mm -hmm. um, making sure that everything's getting delivered and invoiced and paid. And, you know, there's tons of things that a lot of people don't don't realize and you know you might be really 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 good at baking cookies but you might be horrible at accounting and paperwork and organization so it, it might not be a bad idea to partner with someone who's good at that kind of thing and you're the creative one they're the organized one that keeps keeps the back of the house in line and you guys feed off each other right because that's another aspect of like owning your own business is that nobody's good at everything no. Like you can be a creative person, artist or whatever, but you may not have like public speaking ability or, mm -hmm. you know, you may not be good with uh, accounting and stuff like that. So like, what do you do? You know, you, you look for help. You find someone who is good mm -hmm. and you put them on your team. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I may not be the best at whatever architectural design. So maybe this project that's going to have some architectural, you know, anomalies I might want to have a little bit of a stronger group with uh, that's got a little bit more of a background on that on this, um, and with and with small business you got to look long term. Mm -hmm. Don't expect it to turn anything in the in the short while. Um, if you want it to be last and you want it to have legacy, um, especially if you want it to be generational, you know something that you can pass down onto your kids. Mm -hmm. Don't expect to make a buck in a year. Don't expect to make a buck in five years. You're still gonna be paying off your debt, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and you want to get you want to get the debt paid off quick, and then um, which means that you need income. 
you still got a mortgage to pay. You still got mouths to feed. Uh, so you got to make sure that you, you're not signing yourself up for something that you're not going to be able to perform on. Too many small businesses, especially in the restaurant business, you know, they put together these spectacular business plans and packages, and they've got 10 partners that are all going to be operating partners in the restaurant, and they all want to make $100,000 a year. That's a million dollars a year just going into to payouts. And, you, oh, by the way, you also took out a million-dollar loan like, what kind of food on are you a five-year term from a bank. You're going to have, you know, it, it doesn't pencil. Yeah, you're not going to make that back. You're not going to make it back. And they all quit their jobs to go work there. You know, I've seen it happen on multiple occasions. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of a, it's, it's a tricky situation. You got you to gotta be ready to go into it and have a backup plan and a contingency plan to, to make sure that your family is provided for and safe. And, mm -hmm. um, I mean, if you're independently wealthy, man, good on you and yeah. go for it. <laughs> but that's not a lot of us. Yeah. Most of I was us gonna say, you got money to burn, right? Go for it. But <laughs> most of us don't, most of us have, this has to be pretty calculated. Yeah. If I had money to burn, I'd be opening up a hockey rink, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened. Thank you, Richard. We love your hockey. We rink. love you, Richard. <laughs> now, merci, Richard. Le patinois, c'est formidable. Merci. Oh, you speak French? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, cool. I speak English and bad English. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pigeon, bro. No, not no. even pigeon. I would just say bad English. No. Yeah, bad, bad English. But I like uh, this new show come out on Hulu called... Uh, it's not even... It's not a new show. It's been out for a while. Letter Kenny. Have yeah. you heard of that? Do you have Hulu? No. Oh, my no. God. Letter Kenny. It's the funniest show. It's about, like, these upper Alberta farmers that just, like... Uh, they have hockey players and they're just modern Mackenzie brothers uh kind of but it's like quick wit writing and they just insult each other and they're talking the way that they talk oh my god it's hilarious all right it's very quick witty kind of thing um, oh they're chirping like Gilmore Girls kind of talking did you watch Gilmore Girls no man. Oh, this geez. is the I'm watching myself on the tv over here this is the most tv I've watched in weeks See, that's another thing. Entrepreneurs, like, I don't know. Nah, you're not watching TV too much, right? You're you're working. Sorry, you got to make the money. Yeah, I'm a reader. I'm a reader. Okay. Yeah, I'm a reader. Wake up in the morning, read my book, drink my coffee. <laughs> okay. Lindsay, it was great to have you on, brother. Awesome to be here. Thanks so Thanks, much, brother. man. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to see you. And everybody out the there, Kalapawai Cafe. My favorite one is the one in Kapolei. I love that yeah. place. I love the... Uh, Oh, what's the one? Uh, the shepherd's pie curry. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, yeah, that's what that's what Jessica gets every time. Love that. Yep. comfort food. Yeah, so. warm you from the inside out. <laughs> it is. Yep, yep, absolutely. All right, stay happy, Hoy. All right, hello, guys.